Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Launch University Podcast. This is Kevin Jennings, and it's a pleasure to be here today with you. I have a great interview coming up for you with the CEO and president of Chicken Salad Chick, Scott Devaney. But before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know about a new resource that has just come out from the Launch University team, and it's called Elevator Pitch. If you're listening to this podcast, then you know that great ideas don't sell themselves. You know that it's really about how you communicate that idea that allows others to see what you see, to recognize the value of what you believe is possible for them with what you're creating. And we know that to do that, you must be clear and concise and most importantly, compelling. And so we've created a new course called Elevator Pitch that's all about helping you use minimum words to get maximum results. We would love the opportunity to make sure your great idea gains momentum. And that happens when you combine a great idea with great communication. So if you'd love to learn more about this course, please visit myelevatorpitch.net. That's myelevatorpitch.net for information. And here's the best part. If you go to the site just to check it out, we will offer you something for free that's very powerful and is a personal brand assessment. Because before the idea is ever spoken, you're still being evaluated based on how you present yourself. And the word personal brand gets a bad rap. And we've talked about that on a a recent, actual recent um, episode of the Launch University podcast. But the reality is this, you have reputation, You understand their reputation and reputations do precede you. And so your ability to manage people's understanding of who you are and what you stand for and communicate that clearly with how you present yourself is another great way for your idea to gain traction. You can get that resource for free just by visiting myelevatorpitch.net. Hope it's helpful. Now, here's my interview with CEO and president of Chicken Salad Chick, Scott Devaney. Well, welcome everyone to the Launch University podcast. Uh, my name is Kevin and I have the pleasure today to be here with the CEO and president of Chicken Salad Chick, Mr. Scott Devinney. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Um, so for those who are first time listeners to this podcast, I'm going to give you a quick rundown. This podcast is all about helping you turn good intentions into reality in your career, your business and life, because we believe that if you're launching anything, there's a gap that you're experiencing between where you are and where you want to go. And that's where how you, how you get promotion, how you lead your organization, how you launch a new idea. And so it's our job to connect with leaders in various situations and various contexts and bring them to you so that you have an opportunity to learn from these individuals so that you can grow on the go. And I'm really excited to have Scott here with us. And so Scott, I mean, there's a ton of things that your team share with me about some of your accomplishments. Um, I'm going to share a few of them because I think that they're fascinating. Uh, One being the fact that over the past three years, you've helped an organization generate $163 million in sales. Um, And I think that that is just that that just sounds 
incredible, but that also to me as an entrepreneur sounds incredibly challenging and exciting because I get to pick your brain for a little while selfishly as well um, as we kind of go through this. But I know you weren't always at chicken salad chicken. So I'd love to just kind of hear the Scott Davini story from your perspective. Sure. Well, Kevin, I, I did not start out to be a chicken salad chick CEO for sure. Um, I actually started to, in my journey through college. I went to the University of Georgia and I was going to be a pharmacy major. And about midway through college, I decided pharmacy wasn't for me. I switched to economics. And my first job coming out of college was with SunTrust Bank. I moved to New York uh, with them for a couple of years doing Fortune 500 lending and then moved back to Atlanta because we started a food and beverage group. That was probably in the late 90s when large franchise organizations like Burger King and Pizza Hut were selling big blocks of restaurants to make these mega franchisees. So that's kind of how I got started in the restaurant business. And it became fascinating for me. I learned that it doesn't really matter what the product is necessarily. It's all about people. You give good service in a good, uh, clean environment and the food quality is great, then you can be successful. So I kind of got the itch at that point to do something but I stayed in banking for a total of about 15 years. Wow. And in 2008, I had the opportunity to buy uh, 19 Wendy's restaurants in Metro Atlanta. And so I put together a deal with a, part, a friend of mine who became my partner. And we bought 19 uh, in 2008, maybe three or four days before the market crashed, you know, and, and started the great uh, slide of the recession. About six months later, we bought five more restaurants from a different franchisee. So we had 24 that we ran, uh, owned and operated in the metro Atlanta area until we sold the business in 2014. Wow. So in 2014, um, as I was marking on the sale of those of that business, uh, I met through a friend of mine, Kevin and Stacy Brown. Kevin and Stacy had started Chicken Salad Chick in 2008 uh, as a single restaurant operation in Auburn, Alabama had drive through and takeout only, no inside seating when they started. They kept getting franchise requests. So in 2012, they uh, decided to start franchising and sold their first franchise that year. So I met him in 2014. And what started that was Kevin was diagnosed with stage four cancer in 2013. So as most people who are, you know, it started the successful business, we're going through um, this tough decision and, and, and journey that he was about to take, uh, he knew he needed two things. One, uh, capital for his family, and two, um, the next round of leadership to take Chicken Salad Chick to the next level um, and, and really continue the journey that they had started. So um, I met them, spent time with them. We realized we had similar thoughts and values and visions for the company um, I introduced them to a private equity group out of Atlanta who I knew very well, Eagle Merchant Partners, and we put the deal together uh, and closed on it May 1st, 2015. Wow. Well, well first of all, thank you for that because that, that that's really helpful. I have a couple of questions. I'd love to even just dig in a little deeper on that. So you mentioned the alignment of values um, and, and really 
how how you felt that was a good fit for you. I think sometimes for for many people who, who listen to this podcast, they're ambitious people, and and they and they may enjoy the work they do with with their current employer, but sometimes they just struggle to evaluate the right opportunity. Would you mind even sharing a few of those questions that you asked yourself? Because that's that's a pretty big leap, right? I mean, coming out of running your own business with your partner, twenty four locations of Wendy's, to go into a, a new situation. Um, even though obviously chicken salad chick was growing at the time. So I just love to hear your, a little bit of your thought process in that, in that particular situation. Yeah, Kevin, I'll give you a couple of examples of, of where it really came out. Uh, when Kevin and Stacey started the business, they were closed on Sunday. They did not want the restaurant business to run their life. They wanted some time with their kids. So they would close the restaurant early on Saturday afternoon, stay closed on Sunday, open back up on Monday. So during the time that we were together and, and discussing, you know, whether or not this partnership could work out, you know, that was one of the early questions. What do you want to do on Sunday? And our answer was, you started this business with it closed on Sunday. It's one of our core values now. So we don't need to change it. Why would we disrupt our teams, our owners' lives by now all of a sudden being open on Sunday? So that's one example of being in alignment in what we thought we could do. I think the other thing was, we saw the opportunity for Chicken Salad Chick to be all over the country. It's not um, limited to certain geographic regions or anything else. And so that was the other thing. Could we keep the, the process the same? Could we just tweak it, make it better, but not necessarily mess up how we make the chicken salad or how we make all the other sides that we do and still take that same process all over the country? And I think we had similar thoughts on that. That's really helpful. So I'm gonna recap what I'm hearing just to make sure I'm getting it correctly. So there's there's a you know there's a personal alignment side of it, saying okay, do I agree with these values? But then there's also the idea of saying, do we share the same intentions and desires regarding growth and where we where we want this to go? Yeah, and I think you said it well. There's a personal and a professional value piece to that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And okay, so we have so so we fast forward at this point. It's I mean it's, it's twenty it's twenty fourteen. You're coming. You said the deal gets finalized May twenty fifteen. And at that point, when when the deal's coming together, were you already working for Chicken Salad Chick, or you actually started the same time the equity deal uh, was finalized? No, I, I sort of helped put the deal together. So um, the private equity group out of Atlanta did not know Chicken Salad Chick. And honestly, um, at the time I met Kevin and Stacy, there were about 18 restaurants. Hmm. The day we closed, there were 32. And as you know, most private equity groups that are out there, they don't look for that small venture type opportunity. They're looking for larger, stable businesses that they can grow. And so this was a little bit unique for our private equity group, um, just being smaller growth opportunity. And so um, when I introduced uh, Eagle to Kevin and Stacy, and, and then we brought in a chairman, Russ Umpenauer, who is a legend in the restaurant business, um, it, it, everything just kind of clicked at that point. So the day we took over May 1st, 2015 is the day I took over as CEO. Wow. Well, one of the questions I wrote down for myself, because this is something I've always wanted to know. So this is just my, most of my background is working with small to mid-sized organizations. Um, I think the, the you know the largest has been around 600 employees that I've worked for. And so for me, I'm always kind of fascinated in, in this kind of situation of what an incoming CEO does their first 30, 60 days, even just mentally like, hey, here's, here's a kind of a mental checklist I prepared for myself to, to these are things I know. I need to do to, to you know immerse myself. Now, obviously, you were pretty engaged because you were able to 
facilitated a great deal for them. But I am just curious, uh, as as a person who wants to grow my organ, grow my organization, what what did you do the first thirty sixty days uh, on the job? That's a great question. So the very first two days, um, met with every member of the corporate staff, and at the time there were maybe twenty five. So we scheduled 30-minute blocks with every employee and had a few questions I wanted to get to know them personally. You know, were they married? Did they have kids? Did they have dogs? You know, when did they start with the business? And, you know, what, if they were sitting in our shoes or my shoes, what would they want to do differently? Or what do they love about the business? So I had this sheet that, you know, we, we went through. And this was Russ's idea, believe it or not, because he, he had grown an Arby's franchisee from 10 restaurants to 775. So clearly wow. through that process he had bought many restaurants and that's was kind of what he did he would just get to know people and so I, I took a page from his playbook and we sat down and we met everybody figured out what was working and you know maybe some things we need to work on following that went to all of the corporate owned restaurants that we had uh, again there were probably seven or eight at the time so we drove and met most of the gms in the restaurants and some of the team members and found out where all the restaurants were and then uh, i did the next four weeks of training I wanted to learn how to make all of the products and go through the same training program that a general manager would if they started with our organization. So I spent four weeks in a restaurant learning how to make everything, learning how to run the register and, you know, greet staff and uh, greet guests and things like that. And then following that, so this puts us maybe, you know, in the six week mark, we bought a, a book for all of our corporate staff called The Advantage by Lencioni. And we had every person read it. And we did a two-day off-site at Lake Martin where we brought all of, all of our people into one room and spent two days trying to figure out for Chicken Salad Chick, what was our purpose? What was our vision? What were some of the key attributes that we thought were important to our brand? And just, you know, things like that that build our brand pyramid. And so that journey started in the summer, maybe at the six, seven-week mark. Our leadership team got together shortly thereafter, and we kind of fine-tuned it. And we said, for us and our business, our purpose is to spread joy, enrich lives, and serve others. And and those basic categories for us, and that's everything we do, needs to be around that purpose. That is so awesome. And and, and first of all, thank you for doing that because I, I sincerely have always asked that question. You know, when you hear about a, an incoming leader who who's being brought in to help an organization grow in a new way, you're always curious of like what 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 is their playbook? What are what are, you know what's their first course of action? There's so much to do. There's so much to, to address. And thank you for that that glimpse in there because I think that every launcher who listens to this podcast they they probably want to be a part of the organization as it grows. And many of the tools that we have going in when it starts aren't the tools needed to go to the next level. Um, and I feel like that's just a very good insight that you didn't have to share, but I appreciate you doing so. So when you kind of look back at, at your story, before we kind of dig into another part I would love to talk to you about, what, what do you see as like, whether we had a job opportunity, whether it be a project or a role you had, or even a leader that was leading you, that you look back and see that was a catalyst for, for me making it to where I am today or becoming who I am today. So I just love to kind of hear maybe something you felt like was a was a launching point for you? It really, there's about two for me, Kevin. One is Russ, um, who's our chairman now. Again, he, he is a great leader, and he inspires others to be the best they can be. So I've learned a tremendous amount from him in a short period of time, um, but he's been very influential for me for that. Um, great advice, and is not just, I mean, he's, he's 
over 70 years old now. He works harder than anybody I've ever met. He's got a great work that work ethic and he's very disciplined with it. And he makes good decisions um, quickly, but not irrationally, if that makes sense. So if you can think about um, decisions in front of you, make sure you have all the pieces of the puzzle in front of you and all the, whether it's the financials or, or just the pluses and minuses of something. And then once you see all of that, make a decision quickly and stand by and go with it, right? So I think Russ has been very helpful for me that way. Um, the other one was I had a gentleman who I worked with at the bank for a long time. His name was Mike Dunlap. Mike was one of these great uh, leaders within the organization that he was very, he was a compassionate leader. So um, he got to know you on a personal level, would really understand what makes you tick as an individual and tried to help make you the best professional you could be by just getting to know you and what drives you and what motivates you. And so I, I always think Mike did a great job with me through my career in helping me just kind of see what, what I was looking for in my potential. Wow. That's really cool. That's really cool. And, and I think that's really powerful because I know for me, I mean, I could, I could think about people as well, but I think it's, you know, some people might need to seek those people out. You know, I, I don't know how it sounded like with uh, Mike, like, was he, was he actually your boss? Like you reported directly to him at the time? It, it, we started out, believe it or not, as friends. Oh, wow. And then he became my boss, and um, he was a just a tremendous leader. That's what I was going to say. Sometimes people go looking for those leaders, and I think, for me, those leaders have happened by chance, more so than me pursuing. Um, and, you know, Use the old adage, if you're dating someone, you know, when you're looking for a relationship, it never comes along, but when you're not, it does. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Sometimes you find mentors that way when you're not necessarily looking for a mentor, they happen to come right in front of you. But if you're trying to find one and scope one out, it might not be the right time, place or whatever in your career. So to me, you always want to be open to finding those relationships. Man, that's great advice. And, and, and so one of the things that I wrote down, uh, I actually had some some a team people helping me do research for this interview because I really, I really knew there's a lot we could get out of this. Um, and we all kind of agreed that, if there's one topic we want to dig deeper on with you is strategic planning. And so I really want to use kind of this second half of the interview to just, just talk about like, okay, to step into an organization, knowing that the goal is growth, you have the, the, the resources, you have the, the founders and, and their blessing as you move things forward. And I just want to ask you some questions of, okay, what, what were some of the important resources or tools that you, you feel make successful plans for, for any organization, but also in your circumstance with Chicken Salad Chick as you all were getting started in, in that next transition um, around 2015? Yeah, you, you did some good homework, Kevin, for sure. But this, for us, if you think about 2015, stepping into the organization, um, sales were uh, declining and morale within both the company and the franchise uh, group was probably a little bit uh, strained, mostly because of what Kevin was dealing with. He had this emotional burden of, you know, one of the founders battling for his life, and it put a strain on everybody. Right. It just did. Um, and, and so, you know, sales were reflecting it, morale was reflecting it a little bit too. So for me, part of it was to become the cheerleader, but also to your point on strategic planning, we had to have a plan in place. We knew that part of our plan was to develop the best relationship with our franchise owners. They're the ones that are taking this brand into their communities. 
we really wanted to, to really make sure that we're, they have a voice to us and we're listening to what they have to say. And also our corporate staff that they felt like we had wide open ears and an open door policy to come in and let's talk through things that, that they're hearing or that they're seeing because they've been around for a while. And so we did pull back from franchising at the time. Uh, there had been a pretty big blitz to bring in new franchisees right before uh, we had taken over. So we wanted to slow that down and figure out what makes a successful franchise owner. We also wanted to pull back on uh, somewhat of the development side to figure out what makes a successful chicken salad chick location. Um, you know, every business has certain characteristics that they look for. And for us, it was more about parking. Uh, and visibility and things like that than it was necessarily being front and center on the street or on the corner or whatever. We needed uh, adequate parking uh, is one of our key attributes. And so we had to learn that. We also wanted to hear from our guests. So we engaged a firm to help us do a survey of our loyalty guests to figure out, you know, what is it about chicken salad chick that they love? Where did our taste of the food rank? Um, convenience and you know how you order and all these different key attributes that we wanted to come in and say okay what 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 should we be doing better and what should we fix that we're not doing well today so all of those things we started with and the last piece was uh, a team we had one vice president level when I got there he had started with restaurant number six and uh, was a great VP of operations and really helped take the company to another level but we knew we had some gaps we needed to close, such as real estate, um, IT, et cetera, marketing. So that was the last piece was just knowing who we needed to hire and start filling some of those functional positions. And, and that's kind of with a playbook and we went and executed on. That is so helpful because you actually kind of jumped into one of my questions I had for you as well. Because when I when I noticed that you had came out and publicly said like, hey, we're going to slow down on on getting more franchise owners. I mean, obviously, there's so much pressure that's put on most organizations to to grow, especially once there's you know investment dollars and there's and there's other uh, uh, no, additional parties that are that are concerned about your success. And so, I mean, you you talked about you know what made you put the brakes on, uh, uh, you know, to make sure that you were kind of structured that. I would love to hear a little bit of the of maybe the the signs you look for and the team looked for that let you all know it was time to put the brakes on. Because I I think the average person says sales and morale are low. What's going to solve it is more sales, which is going to come through more franchises. I think that the average leader is going to probably feel the number kind of glaring them in the face. And I think it was so wise for your team to do that. I'd love to hear what you saw that said, no, this is the answer. Slowing down is the answer. Yeah, and it was not an easy decision for sure, Kevin, because you've got some sales and morale issues, but you've got growth and number of units because we did have a heavy pipeline of new unit growth. So if you look at the, the just the unit growth, you say, man, this is great. Let's keep going. But if you look at some of the underlying things, we wanted to just make sure as we made those decisions to continue the unit growth or tweaks to the menu that we had the right frame of mind in place. And, and, and I'll tell you, it wasn't easy to do that, right? If you're uh, an investor, you want growth. It's fun to be part of a team that's growing. So we didn't want to necessarily slam on the brakes, but I think the term I would use is we wanted to tap the brakes and just slow down a little bit until we really figured out exactly what was right. And, And, you know, what we found was our franchise owners that had a servant heart 
mentality that followed our purpose that also had the business sense or knowledge to go with it, that made a very successful franchise owner. But they had to be the right servant heart to take care of their team and take care of their guests. And then they had the business mind to be able to run their business and, and be profitable, right? Because at the end of the day, if nobody's making money, they're not going to want to grow. So that was what we figured was, was pretty important for us. And so our team just really had to look deep and say, is it okay if we take a small pause and tap the brakes as opposed to a long pause and a slam on the brakes? Because then it would be harder to get started. So for us, it was more of that. That's, thank you for that clarification. That, that's actually really helpful. So, so when someone is stepping in, I mean, obviously some of the people who listen to this podcast, they're, 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 they're entrepreneurs themselves. Um, they're, you know, they're leading a department or a team. And some people are really, that's it, they're leading their own organization. And I think that for many of us, you know, the, the struggle can be, how do I let everyone weigh in? Because you did that. I mean, you, you sat down with the entire corporate staff your first thirty, you know, first two, two, three days and and let all this input come into you. You got the corporate team shape, shaping the purpose over on a two-day off-site. And then you and the leadership team are coming together. So I think one of those challenges I think we all feel is that sounds fantastic and we want to do it. But then that tension of, well, how many opinions is too many opinions? And and then if I make a decision that's contrary to those opinions that I received, because I feel as a leader that's the right way to go, you know, am I... Am I almost making people feel like their opinions aren't valued because I listened to them and made a decision that maybe directly conflicts with that, you know, their their perspective. So I just want to get some perspective from you about how many opinions are too many opinions and, and, and how do you know when to invite someone into a conversation on such high level strategic matters? Well, two two quick answers to that. One, for your entrepreneurs that are listening to the podcast some things to remember is being an entrepreneur is extremely lonely or can be. Um, you've got the hard decisions to make, uh, whether it be personnel, whether to hire or fire, um, move people out of the organization or make decisions like you just said that might not be popular. So, you know, you're usually the last to get paid if you're the entrepreneur, et cetera. So those are things that I think don't get talked about enough with entrepreneurs is it is a lonely place, if, especially early on. And, even some of the harder decisions later. So you have to have that frame of mind to start with that, you know, sometimes it's going to be kind of by yourself. Now for us though, in our organization, part of what I wanted with my leadership team was experience so that I could trust their advice. And, you know, if you're the right cultural fit for our organization, that's kind of the last piece the credentials of the job were first, and then you had to be the right cultural fit. You had to fit within our organization and our purpose. And if you've hired right, then it's really free to trust those people in their decision-making. And that's where I feel like we've had a, a pretty good cohesive team that can come in and have a very open and honest conversation. But to your point, sometimes decisions are made that might not be agreed with by everyone, but as long as they understand the why that you did something, and the reasons behind it, then you can rally the troops. But but there's not always going to be a great kumbaya in a, in a meeting that says, here's what we're going to do and why. There are going to be some decisions we make. And as long as we have the reasons why, it usually helps. That Yeah, that's that's so what I walked away from that on my own notes, I wrote down prior. If you prioritize experience and cultural fit these things get easier. And so I, I wrote down for myself because I think that's a big thing that I, I don't always do in, in, in when, I'm, when I'm outside seeking uh, even opinions from consultants, you know, saying the same thing, saying, okay, you know, maybe I don't have a, a large team, but if I get to take in the advice of, of, of outside 
influencers who may have some experience in the key area. I need to prioritize their experience and then their cultural fit still to make sure that they understand the context in which we work. Um, one of one of the things that you you kind of hit on briefly that you and the team spent some time doing was was digging into the you know question about what makes a great location and what makes a great franchise owner. And you talked about a servant's heart being one of those qualities. Are there any other uh, interesting patterns or character qualities you noticed among great franchisees? Um, and 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 how did you all go about building a plan that would allow you to kind of replicate that for future growth? You know, we, we do what so many other franchisors do in a situation like this, where we'll do personality tests and disc assessments and things like that. But there are some common traits that you find with successful franchise owners. So remember, Kevin and Stacey did not have any restaurant experience when they started their restaurant. And some of our early franchisees had no restaurant experience, but they had a servant heart and they had the ability to be successful or they've been successful in the past. So for example, uh, a top medical device salesperson or a pharmaceutical rep that was always, you know, very successful in their business. Um, that type of personality where they were driven to be successful in whatever they were doing. And our concept was simple enough that we felt we could teach them the restaurant business as long as they were driven and successful and had that servant heart, community minded, et cetera, that we felt like we could you know, make sure they understood restaurants. Now what we look for is the combination of the two where you have a restaurant background or you have an operator partner who's in the, has been in the restaurant business but you still have that servant heart, that community-minded spirit to drive your local community, but you understand the restaurant business more so than maybe in the past. And that makes that makes complete sense um, to say that. Now, I, now this is a geeky moment on my side. I'm a big a fan of personality tests. Um, I even have some of my contractors take personality tests so we can all work better together as a team. If you would mind, what are some of the personality tests you all use? If you know them, if you don't know them, that's okay. I, I'm just now I'm just sincerely curious on my end. What you, you mentioned, you mentioned DISC. Are there others? DISC is the main one that we do now. We we have all of our franchise owners take the DISC assessment to see where they rank and where they show up on the on the chart. And from by the way, I know you're not stereotyping people because I'm sure you've seen people succeed in all different types as long as you have, as long as the right kind of partnership makeup as you kind of alluded to. But have there been um, have you seen consistently that there is a, a certain type that needs a partner versus types that don't need partners? Um, that, that's just, if you say yay or nay, that's okay. I'm just, just curious. No, it, not necessarily a pattern just because we have about 40 owners in our system and, you know, some have been there for five years and some have just joined. So I wouldn't say there's a pattern necessarily, but there's certainly a, uh, you know, a cross between sort of a D and an I, if you will. On, on what happens with our owners uh, and certainly more recently a lot of you know these and eyes yeah that's it I'm just curious just curious so I will, for those who are familiar with the disc assessment I, I recommend you google it um, I think Tony Robbins offers a free one on his website um, where you can take a disc assessment I think it's a powerful tool for self-awareness and I think one thing we talk about a lot on this podcast is that if you're if you're a leader uh, especially doing something like Scott's doing and, and talking to us about today. I mean, he's leading in a lot of uncertainty. Um, he's stepping into an organization in a really critical time and he's doing a lot of interesting things and he's not, no one can guarantee if it's all going to work, which means self-leadership is really important and, and self-awareness is how you start there. So I recommend checking that out. So I guess one of the last questions I have for you, Scott, is the fact that 80% of the, of the chicken salad chick restaurants are franchise owned. 
And as you said before, that's contributed significantly to the success of the company. You, you, you know, the organizations kind of prioritize those relationships. Um, but how do you make sure a leader who, who's leading their own organization in, in many ways on that, on that, you know, franchise level and is not a part of the corporate office every day, how do you help make sure that they don't lose sight of that vision as they're leading their teams and interacting with customers around the country? Yeah, you know, Russ has used the comments before, and someone in the RB system had used it. You know, all restaurant companies are looking for that secret sauce, basically the comeback sauce, right? So that people want to come back for more and, and whatever that secret recipe is. For us, it's similar with the franchisees. We want to create an environment that is so um, supportive of them and their adventure for us that, that they're going to be happy and that they want to uh, be successful and, you know, obviously be successful making money, but also just be successful in whatever they want. We have some franchise owners that have a very modest life style. They don't need to make a ton of money, but they also want to give back very much into their communities, whether it's through their church or through other organizations. And so our job necessarily is knowing that we want to help them make as much as they can um, so that they can give back into their community, not necessarily to because they need to go buy a boat or something, but because they want to give back to the community. And so you still have to find the right people who have the servant heart, as we talked about. And then what our team tries to do is help foster that, um, support them in whatever endeavor they're, whether it's building a new restaurant or a spirit night within their community to try to help a school or something. We want to be as supportive to them as possible so that they can be successful. And if they see us serving them, we want them to have that same serve service back to their guests. And it just kind of flows from there. And I think that's what's important for us is to just continue to be the support center that we can for them. That's so helpful. And and, and so I think the great, the way I love to close this interview with you is, once again, I think, you know, you got in, you went to school for pharmacy and now you're leading a successful uh, 60, uh, over, I mean, over 65 locations. How many locations today for Chicken Salad Chick? We open our 84. Okay. So you're, so now we're at 84 locations. And and there were 32, by the way, the day we took over on May 1st, 2015. Uh, okay. That was two, you know, two and a half years, almost three years ago. That's an insane level of growth. And, and it's so inspiring. I, but at the same time, your personal journey has been one that is, you know, one that maybe obviously you couldn't plan for yourself. I'd love to have you just say, what are some final words you'd want to share to the, the, the launchers who are listening to this podcast about their own journeys and, and some words of wisdom that maybe they can start to apply in their life? Yeah, for me personally, a couple of things. One, obviously be flexible. You know, you, you've got to find your purpose in life, both personally and professionally, but sometimes those take some twists and turns. So you've got to be a little flexible and know um, what's out there. Uh, number two, whenever I'm speaking to groups, I always suggest reading books. Uh, listen to podcasts and things like that to just make yourself better. Um, our leadership team reads books occasionally. Uh, we try to take those and put them into practice, whatever good learnings that we have out of them. So I always encourage people to continue reading and it just helps you uh, both personally and professionally, whatever those uh, you know books are that, that are out there. There's plenty of them, but they're all very good. So, you know, you find your way and you find your purpose and, you know, both personally and professionally. And I think that's what makes us all uh, enjoy what we do every day. 
That's perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Scott. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to to trying this. Actually, one of the teams, one of the people who's helped me do the research for the interview, they're like, Kevin, you have to get into this restaurant and just try the chicken salad. So I'm looking forward to making my way uh, to a location soon and having an opportunity to try it for myself. Um, I appreciate it. And you're, you're in Atlanta, right, Kevin? I am. I'm in Atlanta. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. So so I'm looking so forward our, to our, it. Our opening tomorrow is in Vinings. Okay. So, so uh, that's near Cobb Gallery, right? It is. It's right behind the Quick Trip near the Vinings Jubilee. Perfect. And I, and I will, by the way, next to me hands. Perfect. Okay. Well, okay. I think I know that area. I actually uh, was over there not too long ago. And so that's perfect. I appreciate your time today. Um, thank you for being so open and so generous with your time as well as just your experiences. Um, I know there are plenty of launchers who are going to appreciate the opportunity to have someone who's further down the road than them, you know, be able to help them see and, and maybe make a little bit more uh, sense out of what they're experiencing today. Um, so if people want to connect with you, want to connect with Chicken Salad Chick, where can they go? Um, we're on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, mine is at S. Divini. So follow me on Twitter uh, and then at, and it's Chicken Salad Chick. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Scott. Take care. And uh, we'll hopefully have you hopefully hear some more about Chicken Salad Chick and maybe have a, a follow-up interview when you, when you reach a certain milestone uh, with the organization. And um, thank you again. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you having me today. Well, that was a powerful interview. It's always amazing to meet people who didn't set out to be entrepreneurs or become CEOs of organizations because you get an opportunity to really understand the realities of what it means to launch. I think we can all agree in our experiences that we didn't necessarily know we'd be where we are right now. And that's even if the vision was clear to us. Um, I'm sure if you talk to David, Shane, or Jeff, they would agree that this roadmap, this this journey they've been on, even within an organization that they, they may have been at since teenage years, in the situation of David, uh, Chick-fil-A, he still didn't maybe know he'd be doing exactly what he's doing at the organization. And I, and I think this always is a powerful lesson to all of us, just to be open and say, we can, you can use our ambition and our drive and our vision to take us so far, but we have to leave ourselves open for great opportunities to come our way. Um, what I really appreciated about Scott is his transparency and his openness to sharing a lot about the behind the scenes pieces of what it means to run an organization at that level. I wrote down a couple of notes that I want to share with you that popped off the page. I feel like that's the spirit of this, of this podcast. And so there are two things that really jumped out at me and I'm going to share them both now. One was grow close to your brand ambassadors. I think no matter who you are and no matter what you're creating, you have a brand ambassador. So for, for Chicken Salad Chick, that is franchisees. Uh, I'm sure David and Shane would say uh, their owner-operators at Chick-fil-A are, are the same way, I'm sure. Jeff has some at Gwinnett. He would say, hey, these are these are more than just members of our church. They're more than just uh, people who give to our church financially. They're ambassadors. And I think we all have those people. And it might even be your mom. And that sounds really cheesy and funny, right? But even if it's your mom, you, sh- you should be engaging that. And so you might say, well, Kevin, how do I identify a brand ambassador? I would ask you if you have something you're selling or if you have something you're even, you know, you're fundraising for, who are the people who bring other customers or other donors to you? Who is your leading source of referrals? 
and word of mouth. That's a brand ambassador. They are an evangelist for what you're creating. And you need to lean into that relationship and support that person and let them know you appreciate them and that they are a vital part of what you are creating. The second thing that jumped out to me and really thing that just was convicting on, a, on, a, on an immediate level for the work I'm doing is when Scott said, prioritize experience and cultural fit. When you're building your team and I'll be honest, cultural fit, that comes a little bit more naturally to me as, as a leader, but experience has been a bit of a challenge. And you would say, well, experience is the most clear cut thing, Kevin. Why is that a struggle for you? Well, for me, what I'm doing right now, talking to you on the Launch University podcast, this is my purpose. Like I, I am, I feel like I am set on this earth to help people reach their full potential. I love doing it for myself and I love helping others do the same. But the reality of that for me is I see potential in everyone. So when I meet a potential team member for Junction 32, I am already thinking about ways I can serve them. And that's not always helpful in that moment. So what I wrote down for myself is work hard to intentionally be the dumbest person in the room. And so what I'm going to start doing for myself, and, and the word dumb is, is a, obviously is a, is a pretty, you know, maybe harsh way to say that. But I, I just think that if I'm being intentional about that, to Scott's point, it's going to breed the opportunity for me to trust people. If I trust their values, because there's cultural fit, there's cultural alignment, and I trust their experiences and know that they know more than me on that particular area and the thing I'm relying on them to bring to the table, then there's a lot less conversation. There's a lower likelihood of me making decisions that necessarily don't align with my team because I'm inviting the right opinions to the table. And I think that's something we can all work hard to do. Now, the reality of that is if you're following Scott's advice to invest in yourself by reading books, listening to podcasts, etc., then that means you have to work even harder to find those people. Now, they exist. No, no one knows everything. None of us are the experts. We get that. But I love that challenge to say, as I invest in myself, I have to continually position myself around those who know more than me uh, as I'm uh, making decisions. And if you're just getting started and and it's just you, then who can you find? Where can you go? Um, Hopefully, the Launch University podcast and what we're creating as a team for you is a part of that conversation. Don't feel bad if you have to go through our archive of blog posts or podcasts and cherry pick the episode that's going to solve the problem you have today to bring an idea or perspective to the table from someone who might know more than you. That's just called wisdom on your part to do that. And so I hope that's encouraging. Obviously, you hopefully you have some people in your network you can find. Um, but it's our job to do that for you a little bit on our side, to help bring some of those folks to the table for you as you are looking for someone who can bring a new set of experiences to the table as you're making big decisions in what you're creating. Again, it's an honor and a pleasure for us to come alongside you in your ideas as you are trying to make a difference in the world. We believe that every go-getter is launching something in life, but there is this anxiety that comes from us just not knowing what to do as we enter uncertainty around our ideas and things we really care about. But we also believe with some proven practices, principles, processes, every go-getter has the potential to become a difference maker.
And Launch University is all about helping you do that. Um, we see potential in you. We believe in you. And it's a pleasure for us to come alongside you. Um, so just as a reminder, if you've enjoyed this podcast and the other podcasts we've created thus far, here's how you can tell us thank you. Here's how you can be a part of this and making sure this helps other people like you. Please go on iTunes, leave a rating and review, and, and let us know how we can improve the podcast, but also let us know what you enjoy about the podcast as well. That's a great way for other people to discover the podcast as iTunes does elevate the podcast with greater ratings. The second thing you need to do is subscribe to the podcast. Great leaders know that if you want to make something happen, you want to build a routine around it, you want to build a habit around it, and in some cases, you want to automate it. Allow this podcast to show up on your phone every Thursday with no effort on your part. We want to be a part of your Thursday morning commute or your weekend drive, or your afternoon workout, whatever that is. So help us serve you by subscribing to the podcast. The third thing we'd love for you to do is tell a friend about this podcast. Uh, don't keep this to yourself. Uh, we designed it to be shared. We designed it. We're giving away our experiences and hope that you'll share this with other people as well that you think could need a particular thing we discuss on this podcast. And the last thing we love for you to do is visit the show notes. We actually have a team of people who help us create recaps of every single episode to make sure that you can go online and easily get access to key links like the book that Scott mentioned, uh, The Advantage by, uh, by Patrick Lencioni. You can get links to these resources. You can find recaps and takeaways all on the website. If you just go to launchuniversity.com, that's YOU and the university. And if you want to go short, you can go to launchu.net, launchyou.net. It gets you there as a short link to help you get to the, to the site. Well, thank you again for tuning into this week's episode. And I look forward to having you join us next week on the Launch University podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.